Thank you so much for being a listener of the Deep Believer Show. We love our listeners, we pray for our listeners, and we love to hear from our listeners. So if you have anything you'd like to say, if you have any testimonies, or if you have any questions, leave us a voice message. We'd love to hear from you. Again, we would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for being a listener of The Deep Believer Show. Hi, everyone. This is Jennifer Bagnashi with Deep Believer. I'm excited for our guest today. She died when she was five years old from a horsing accident. Jesus allowed her to take a quick tour of heaven. And when she was told to go back, she didn't want to go. But Jesus showed her and allowed her to feel the emotions of those she loved had she stayed. And he also showed her her future if she were to go back. And the question for you is, do you ever wonder if anyone would care if you weren't here? The question also is, do you ever feel like you want to know your purpose for life? This is a good video for you. Jessica Hall, thank you so much for being with us. Hi, Jennifer. It's so nice being here on the show, and um, I'm so grateful that you have me on. So, Jessica, how was your life growing up? Did you always know about Jesus? Yes, um, my mom has always been a very devout Christian, um, so it's always been in our in our family. Um, I've always known about Jesus, but I did not know about the relationship you had to have with Jesus. Um, so growing up, you went to church on Sundays, and you had to have a set of moral standards that you had to live by in the house, just like it did in the Bible. So I think we've always you know, the American dream, you go to church on Sundays and you do what you're told kind of thing. So that's what I grew up with. And you and your family, you were ranchers growing up. So you knew a lot, a lot about livestock and horses. So were you a professional horseback rider when you were five years old? <laughs> I was not a professional, but yes, we were very much avid horseback riders. Um, we would usually be gone from morning to the desk horseback riding a lot of the times get your chores done and the rest of the day be on a horse and bringing us to horseback riding when you were five years old your father wanted to show off your skills bring us back to that day what had happened um why it actually happened just let the audience know how that particular part of your life occurred sure um well, it was um, raining. It was a spring morning. Um, so we had a lot of rain the week before. So it was very muddy and cold. Um, but we had a friend over and my dad wanted to show what skills we've learned that week. And uh, so I have a twin sister and he picked me out of my twin because she was a little less fearless as I was. I would, I would go a little bit faster than she would. And um, so we got out in the round pen and it was really muddy and slick and we're just going around and I was doing my tricks. Everything was going as normal, but I turned the reins to the right to go towards the fence and I felt um, the pony go feet go to the left and I knew instantly I was going down. My biggest fear at that point was I was, I was going to hit the fence. Like I was, I was scared we were going to close enough, but luckily um, by the grace of God, it was, it was a direct hit to the ground rather than to the fence. 
Wow. So did you literally feel yourself hit the mud? What's the last thing you do remember? not know? The last thing I remember is thinking I'm going to hit the fence. Once I hit the, once I, I felt like I opened my eyes and I was looking straight down and I looked straight down and the horse's legs were completely out. Um, and they looked straight, looked like a toy horse that was completely fell over. And I, I think I giggled to myself just because of the fact that I thought it looked like one of my play horses that I had. And, and um, the only reason I knew that I was underneath it is because I saw the pink tinge of my jacket by the wither of the horse. And I could see myself floating up and I just instantly knew I said that was that's me, but I'm me. I'm I'm the real me that's always been inside of me. And I just kept floating up and I just felt no emotion. There was no sadness. There was no grief. There was no happiness or anything. It was just, you're just you. I don't know how to explain it any other better than that. Um, I, as soon as I started floating up and I'm hyper aware of everything, it was like I had an eagle's eye view of the whole scene as higher as I got. It was like a 360 view. I was hyper aware of everything one and everywhere that everything was happening I could feel the wind coming I could see that my my sister was very upset my mom screamed and they all went running towards the scene of where the horse had fell and as I was floating up I was just thinking this is crazy I had no attachment to the body below me none and I had all these questions in my head because you know and when you're living life you have all these natural order of things and that was no longer to be so it was like learning something all over again and as I was floating up um I was in this black void and I I wasn't afraid even though I'm definitely afraid of the dark but all of a sudden on my left shoulder I felt that a holy spirit is what I would call him I don't know if he was just a an, another angel or the holy spirit but he was on my left of my shoulder and I, I told him my name and he was amused because he already knew me. And because he knew me, I was in instantly comforted because I wasn't alone and I knew that he was there. So we started conversing. And once I started talking to him about life, I just started asking all these uh, questions about what the meaning of life was. And, you know, the basic questions that you ask anything once, you know, big, hard questions, I guess. Um, one of the first things I asked him was why bad things happen to people. And he um, then quickly said, you know, everything that happens happens for the greater good of the almighty. So I asked him why there were starving kids or why bad things happen to people, you know, all these awful things that happen. And he said, because everything that every evil action is for the greater good. Every evil action that is allowed is for the greater good of the Almighty. So anything that happens, like say if a child was starving later on because they knew the feel of that hunger, will has the free will and the opportunity to allow God in their life to propagate a better life for someone else. And that every trial that we face is for a reason, for someone else and for God's plan. And it just made sense to me once it was explained to me how bad things happen. We can't understand why certain things happen, but in the grief of it all, there is growth and tragedy and those things. And God's, God does allow certain things to happen for you to grow for someone else. And that this is not the reality that you should focus on. It's the reality after. And because it is more real than earth. Um, 
this life feels like a video game, I guess, an explanation of it compared to what it's like there. So this person who you were with, the angel or Holy Spirit, were you able to visually see them? No, I never, I felt them, if that makes sense. You know, you feel like there's someone standing behind you. I felt their presence and he would speak to me telepathically. Everything was told to me telepathically. I remember asking him um, about religion and it was all downloaded to, to my mind about how the Bible is real, but we misconstrue it. Some, and it's not out of, not out of bad intentions. It's not that they mean to, but there are times that they can take, take things and turn it into their own well-beings or what they re- they really do believe these things, but it, it inhibits Jesus or the Holy Spirit from working if if it's based on lies or based on pride, but he would show you, he would show me all the answers from the beginning of it to the end. And it it was kind of like, even with full on picture pictographs of how everything in life in the universe would work. When you saw yourself floating up, did you think you were dead? What was your state of mind? I knew I wasn't dead. It's kind of like the feeling like, you know, that your soul has always been or your spirit has always been. It's kind of like absolute truth um, that you feel. So I didn't realize that I was dead, nor do I know if I was. I don't I don't know. Um, I just know that my soul or my spirit left my body and I could see it. And I felt like it just felt like I've always known this. Like I've always known that this was the real place. And I feel like your, your spirit does know the truth, um, but it's hard to get the flesh and the spirit to find a balance. So Jessica, it seems as if you were a little mature for your age at five years old to ask such questions, yes. but I want to ask you, because uh, you seem pretty mature at that age, even though you're five years old, <laughs> is it, was it that time when you realized the difference between the body and the soul? I think your spirit mind and your, your, your body mind are two different things and can only comprehend so much. So your body is very limited of what it can handle and what it knows. I still, I still recollect my experience and it's still mind blowing to me. And a lot of times I, I try to rationalize something that you just not capable of rationalizing. I think that your soul knows more than what your body or flesh does. Cause I don't know why I asked those, those questions, because as a five-year-old, I was just like, why would I even ask this? Why would I even care about these things? But I think that my, I think God chose, allowed that experience to happen to me because he knew my spirit would ask those questions for this time and place that we're in now. So give us an example, because, because you said this spirit, whether it be Holy Spirit or an angel said to you that people use the Bible for purposes that they're really not intended for. So could you give the audience an example if they're if they're kind of trying to figure out what you mean by that? Because we know people use the Bible all the time to misconstrue things. But this time you say that a lot of times they don't do it on purpose. So could you give a quick example? Um, I think it means just the, um, I think we get hung up on particularities. Um, so I think he was saying not, it does not matter what domination you or 
um, denomination that you go to. It's not whether you can speak in tongues or if you were baptized as a child or any of those specific things that people get really hung up on that God and Jesus are the true spirit of it. And when you read the Bible and when you really search for that experience with God, he illuminates that with you. But if you have these preconceptions or preassumptions of, well, I'm not supposed to hear Jesus talk to me, or I'm not supposed to have these experiences that are happening to me because the Bible says it's not in it, or people will can turn it into that way. So it kind of closes people's minds off um, because they instantly get scared because they don't want anything to do with anything that is of the negative supernatural part of life. And I I completely agree. And, but there is, there is a balance. And, but when you turn off the negative part or the dark, you know, everyone thinks that having a angelic experience or these things could easily be a demon you know um all that the devil dresses up as a as a angel of light and he most certainly does but there's a lot of information of as making sure that your prayer life and that what you know is for truth and praying for truth and discernment to give that and guide your life that i i feel like since i've really embraced my relationship with christ it has been a very supernatural few years for me <laughs> so i realize that nothing absolutely nothing is a coincidence i completely concur so speaking yeah. of religion and denominations god mm-hmm. or this angel used a particular word you never heard of before and you didn't know about it and this word begins mm-hmm. with the letter d what word was that that was dogma So there was a lot that was given to me that I was not able to retain because there was such a vast amount of information or I'm just not capable of keeping it in this realm. But I do remember distinctly that he gave me the word dogma. I want to caveat to say that there are many churches out there with Jesus Christ in it, but there are churches out there that does not have Christ in it. But I do believe that's a soul sickness, not so much a church sickness. Now, where were you? Where were you when you were asking all these questions? Where in the atmosphere were you? It was in the void, um, I'm guessing. Man, um, it's It was just a very dark place. It was dark everywhere, top, bottom. It was like you were floating in nothing. Um, it was completely black. And um, But I could still feel myself levitating as I was asking these questions. So we were still traveling. Um, within that time, as I was levitating and he was answering all my questions, you could feel the conversation slowly starting to end. Um, I could see a pinprick of light. And as soon as I made my vision focus in on that pinprick, it was, I was directly there. And then there was this veil. I would, I would have to say that the veil was like an inch or two of glass. It was just completely, it was just looked like it was made of glass, but it moved like a drape off of a theater. Um, There was every time it would move, or if you change your perspective to look to either side of the drape, you would see these little prism pieces of light crackling through it. And it was just like this rainbow effect that, that was coming through. And I remember just 
getting as close as I could just to see that it was just so pretty but you could see past it and inside and past that that veil um, is what I believe was heaven there was temples that looked like they were from the Roman era with um, those huge columns going up the front they were going all down there was multiple of those types of temple looking and they were huge and they were just white everything was white and they all went down a line I remember seeing all these people in white robes and they were just scurrying around looking like they were doing their daily, you know, chores or whatever they may be doing. Um, but you could see that there was activity going around there. I remember just slowly moving the veil and walking in. And the first thing that I noticed is that everything, that the light there was so alive. When you took a footstep, the breeze, the clouds, the, the floor, like everything was light. And, um, this light just gives you, it was just, it gives you the sense of being home, the sense of grandma baking cookies, you know, that, that at home feeling that you get, but times a hundred, like this is where I always knew I was meant to be. This is, this is the home that has always been home. And I knew that my soul knew that it belonged there. And um, as I was walking in, there was this group of people um, that came to me very happily. They were all smiling at me and very nice, very welcoming. And they knew who I was. And I was like, well, who are you? And I didn't, I didn't really understand why they were greeting me, but they began to tell me, you know, who they was. And, and every time I would speak and the more that they got excited to talk to me, you could feel love radiating from them and it would fill into your soul in a way. Um, and it would, it was so much, it was coming, it was coming into my soul that it was, it was a little bit too much to bear. You know, it was just so much love coming at me at the same time that I just politely stepped outside of the group. And I, I was just like, I have to, to walk away from this because I felt like I was going to explode from how much love was coming at me which I feel like that's my soul's immaturity for being there. It was not my time because I'm not lived out that love but I think um and then I started walking down through heaven and I I know I went exploring but that memory was also taken from me um of what I was exploring the let the next memory I remember was um meeting two very large angels um they were probably about seven or eight foot tall one was blonde and had very curly hair kind of kind of looked like he he brushed it back and it kind of reminded me of a mullet, but it wasn't a true mullet. <laughs> and um, he didn't have wings, but they had these gorgeous gowns and they had a different kind of sheen to it. Like it wasn't like the robes that you saw on the other people. It was a different type of light that was radiating from them. I would say like a glitter light, if that makes sense, or a shimmer um, compared to the white robes that I seen before. And then on the right, there was another angel there and he was brunette with really curly hair and they were, they were long, it was longer hair to their shoulders. And, and I remember looking up at them and they were smiling at me and I said, well, who are you? And they told me their names and I instantly, my soul knew them. I instantly knew that they were my guardian angels and we were just so excited to actually converse, to actually talk to each other. And we were just giddy about it. Jessica, you also mentioned to me the particular faces of these angels. How did these angels look to you? Very pretty. They had like almost feminine features in the eyes and the nose. Like they were just very beautiful. But then 
they were masculine at the same time. They had the very chiseled jaw. They were very stoic. Um, I would be the best word for that to me. Like you knew that they're in their presence, that they had a masculine side to them, but looking at them, they were extremely beautiful, beautiful creatures. I just couldn't get over how pretty they were. <laughs> it was very, very pretty. Now, but with the people, I'm going to go back a little bit to the people you said you saw in heaven, mm-hmm. even though you didn't know them, mm-hmm. you said that you could tell things about their lives and what they exuded. Could you just explain that? The light that comes from your soul, it could tell, even though they look like they were in their 20s or their 30s, you could tell that they had a, a what kind of life that they had. And you could instantly, I mean, there was no secrets in heaven because everything is transferred to you telepathically. You could instantly just look at someone and know what life they led. Um, and know what their accomplishments and faults were just like yours. So you just instantly knew. And it felt like the better that your life was, that the better the, um, the trial or the tribulation that you faced. And when you went to, um, and you had a harder life on earth, it was like the light was brighter towards you when, um, when you looked at that person. So if someone had a very hard life, but still lived a very um, loving life and, put God in in their life you could instantly tell that that that's what happened to them that they had this perseverance to them and so it's kind of like the the bible verse when they say you know the first will be last and the last will be first so you could definitely tell who was who in heaven in that way that's good that's good okay so let's jump over back to the angels and the angels mm-hmm. escorted you to a staircase we were at this um they took me to the bottom of this staircase and it was very wide it was like as wide as a parking lot made of white marble i would say that it was at least two or three hundred steps and i remember um when he looked he looked at me and said that i had to go up to the top of the steps to see who i had to speak to and I looked up and I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to walk up those steps. And I, they must have answered my prayer because I literally floated. I did not have to walk, but it was, it, I felt anxious going up because I knew that I was going to see someone that by the way that their tone was, by the way that their energy was, I knew I was going to see someone that was of, um, of importance, but I didn't know who. As I made it to the top of the steps, there was this very large platform. It looked like a very large stage an open stage that on all sides, it was nothing but clouds. Um, but the, it was this plain one. And in the middle of this stage, there was a, a person there. And as soon as I reached the tops of the steps and I seen this, this person there, I instantly knew that I had not done enough. And I instantly felt face first worshiping this this body. Um, I knew that it was an authority figure. You could feel it exuding like the light that comes off of all the other souls that I, that I met was nothing to this magnitude. You knew it was, and it was like the fear of God, just you tremble in it because, and I, I read the Bible now and I realize that's what I experienced because I knew that I was in the presence of this huge authority figure and I had not done enough to be in his presence 
and I instantly fell to my face and I was crying and um, he just came to me and he just gave me such compassion and had me rise and he instantly calmed me and um, I was instantly relieved that he was not going to be upset with me for not doing what I was supposed to do and he kind of took me towards the front and he said you know it's not your time you have to go back and I said well I don't want to go back and he said, well, you have to think about your mother and your father, you know, you and your sister, what would, what would happen to them if you don't go back? And I thought it was strange that I didn't think about them once since it, leaving earth, that I hadn't thought about them at all, that that was not even any of my questions, but he knew instantly, I thought that it was funny, but instantly that the Bible verse that says that, you know, all the, all things that would pass you know, once you passed away, you won't remember anything in heaven. And that is true. You don't think about those things. As he turned um, to me and he said, this is what their life would be like if you don't go back. He come and put his arm around my shoulder and with a swipe of his hand, it was like a screen of the same glass that was made of the drapes showed up and it showed my parents' life. And it was just like, I was like in a aerial view of it. I guess I could see my dad sitting in the recliner and just mourning my death. And I could feel his emotions in his mind and what he was feeling. And I, and then it would just go like in a fast forward motion and it would show me his life. What would happen if I died and the decisions he would make based off of the emotions that he had. Um, and it was it was darker, it was grayer than what it would have been if I would have stayed. And I instantly felt bad once I seen my mom and my dad and my sister's life. But I, the feeling you have in heaven is just pure joy and love in your home. And I instantly knew and I said, well, it won't be very long until they're with me. And it, you know, a thousand years in heaven is a day on earth or a day in heaven, you know, is a thousand years so I instantly knew it would be no time because there was no concept in time and it felt like it would be a very short time before they were with me and um but then he said well you have work to do and he goes this is your purpose and he he then swiped his hand again and he started my life from the time that I was a child um when I was born to the day I died and through every and you could see I could see everything in my life play out the way that it, and now I see all the highlights of my life have already come to pass. And I saw my husband, I saw that we were going to live away from my family. I saw that we would belong to the church that we belong to now. I saw all three of my children, they were running. And as they were running through my living room, he showed me their lives and the ripple effect that they have in this world for me being there to be their mother, then they can live and they have a ripple effect through other people's lives to do God's will. And he said, and if you don't go back, then this won't happen. And I instantly, I kind of drew back and I was, I thought, oh my goodness, I have to, you know, like I have to do something that would, I, how can I not, you know, it, it's like my soul already knew I had to do those things. He then swiped his hand again and the screen was gone and the, the clouds had parted. And as it parted, you could see the earth and it looked like um, seeing Google Earth, I guess. And you could just see the earth slowly rotating. And he said, in a period of your time, there would be a great sorrow on the earth. And my heart 
instantly felt all this all the sorrow that was on earth and it hurt me so much because I knew it hurt him so much and I said yes I have to go and you could see that there was a darkness around the earth and there was these little lights and those lights were people doing God's will and I said I have to go I have to do my work I have to I have to be a light. When you reached the top of those stairs and there was this being in front of you with so much authority and power, do you know who that was? I believe it was Jesus Christ. Yes, so I believe. There was a knowing. Yes, there was a knowing. Like you knew, you knew you were in the presence. And I knew that there was no one else in the universe that was on a higher elevation than him, if that makes sense. And I, I do believe it was Jesus Christ that as soon as I went up there, uh, went to the top of the steps, I could just feel this authority in Jesus's name, that almighty God that, you know, you just tremble in it because you could just feel the energy, but it was pure love at the same time. He, he was still compassionate at the same time, but you knew, but you could feel it. Your soul just instantly knows them. If that makes sense. It yeah. instantly knows who's the creator. And how long did it feel like you were there for, or how long did you think you were there for? I mean, I could describe that my, I felt like I was there for two weeks. I mean, I was just, even in the void, it felt like I was there for days um, just for the fact that I asked so many questions, but there, but I realized that this was just, it was not that long at all. It couldn't have been um, for the time on, on earth, but I'm, my guess is my, my soul did go through different dimensions and there is no concept of time there. Everything's linear, but there everything happens at once at the same time you see the past present and future at the same time you could see all of it instantaneously and it feels like you would be there a long time seeing that but at the same but I felt like I was there for like two weeks <laughs> I felt like I was there all for a very long time I was convinced I wasn't going back <laughs> I bet. I mean, I always hear people when they go to heaven, they never want to come back. Even if they have loved ones on earth, it's something about the love and the hominess of heaven yes. that that's where they're supposed to be. So you were yeah. only five years old talking mm -hmm. like I haven't, you know, uh, lived up my purpose or I can do more. What made you feel like this at five years old to feel as if you didn't fulfill your purpose yet? I feel like our souls are predestined and it talks about that in the bible how we, god has a predestined purpose for anyone that he calls so i feel like our souls automatically have a legal contract with god to do what we're supposed to do here uh, every person that is born i felt you you just know what you're supposed to do here so when you die you have to take accountability for that you have to you have to understand that you have to go and be like you know, you could do the best that you can in it, but there is a purpose here for you. I just knew, my soul just, not, it was just like one of those common knowledge thing. It was just like, you know, if water's wet or not, like you just knew. I don't know how else to say that, it, but I just knew inside of me that I had to do something. It was <laughs> as if your soul just knew, like, like you said, yes. your soul knew what your physical mind didn't realize yet. That's so powerful. Now, yeah. why don't you to tell me about the sorrow part of heaven, because uh, you said that you were able to feel the emotion and the hurt that your family would experience. So how can mm -hmm. you pair that with heaven being perfect 
and no sorrow. How do you, how do you Mm -hmm. explain that? I don't, other than I think God, uh, that Jesus allowed it. I think Jesus allows us to know things. It wasn't my sorrow that I was feeling. It was theirs. So you're capable of feeling the sorrow of who he allowed. So through this screen, I was able to look into their life and their emotion. I was able to look into this part of them that no one else but God can see, I guess. It was like a, I don't know, a direct link from Jesus to to those people. And you explained about, or you shared with us how your father's life would have looked like had you stayed in heaven. But you didn't elaborate too much on what your mother and your twin sister's life would look like. What did mm-hmm. you see you, that their life would look like had you had stayed in heaven? What would happen to them? It was pretty much the same thing. Other, you know, they had different sorrows, but they all took different takes. I think what it is, is it was, it just showed that their life, I don't know how to explain it. Other than when you saw the picture and you could see their emotions, I saw my dad on the the seat and it all happened so quickly and instantaneously. Then um, he would, it was like, he showed me my dad and then he showed me my mother's life. And I would see her standing in the kitchen, just crying. And then it would just, and it, but then it was like on fast forward, just show that it was that same gray pattern, that same, I want to say gray, just because it felt like a, there was a heaviness. There was this sadness that was throughout their whole life. And the things that they were meant to do in their life purpose would be hindered if I didn't go back. And then once that still wasn't enough for me, to convince me to stay even though I was sad and that was awful I knew that they would be with me quickly I think that's why he showed me my life um, because I had work to do to make sure that I was a mother to my sons because they have work to do and if you're not there to do those things if you're not in that and it's not just even just your immediate family it's also people you walk by in the street like you're you know, if you're sad and you're heavy, you're not going to be happy to see or loving towards someone else. Um, I just felt that they're not that they wouldn't be able to complete their purpose. It would just be a very hard experience for them to get through a harder way of life for them to get through if I didn't go back. And then Jesus showed you how your life would be or their lives would be if you had to come back. I know you said that the Lord showed you your husband that you would have, and Mm -hmm. now you're married to him, the same person you saw, and your three boys, you saw them, so all that came to fruition. Did you see, or did Jesus show you how your parents' life would be like uh, when you came back? No, they didn't. He didn't show me that. He just showed me my life, and then once I saw that I had all these things that I had to do yet, when I did see my life, I was very um disappointed I judged my life at the same time it was kind of like a life review before it happened you know um I could see my life and I was very upset with the decisions I made um I felt like there was things like I was materialistic about things that I wasted time on that I shouldn't have wasted time on I'm like oh those are or I wasn't friendly to someone walking down the street or at the cashier at the grocery store when you see those things you're like oh I missed that opportunity you know that um and I realized that you know I should have I should have known to 
done better with that, you know, in your spirit, you're like, oh, that was an opportunity. You know, these things are not what it's about. Um, people are what love and people are what the earth is about, you know, being connect, everything is connected by God. But Jesus did show me that, that there was going to be times in my life where I did fail at that. Um, but I, I knew I failed. He never once condemned me of anything. He just showed it to me and I had to discern for myself whether or not that, um, if that was a good or a bad thing that I experienced. And so I could see the good things that I did in my life and the bad things I did in my life. And I could see the, you know, there was a lot of pain in my in the beginning of my life. Um, and he showed me those things. And he said, because of this pain, you're going to make these decisions because of these pains, you're going to have these emotions. And it showed me that the reason I would do a certain thing was because of the, that ultimate problem or that ultimate experience is the result of it. I think when he showed me that it really opened my eyes on, oh, okay, well, I need to do better and I need to do more. But he doesn't expect it, if that makes sense. He just he just shows it to you and your spirit is the one that discerns whether or not you need to do more or not. That's the part of your testimony that intrigued me so much. Um, even besides the heaven part was the fact that our lives are so important and how Jesus put us all, all of us on this planet for a purpose, to fulfill a purpose and how much we have, um, how much influence we have on other people's lives unknowing how if yes. you had stayed in heaven how your family's life would spiral downhill and mm -hmm. and and we can even go further than parents because like you said even if you're if you smile at a stranger on the street that could just change their whole life because they could be having a, a hard day or just yes. suffering something some kind of depression and then that one smile that you could have given them, but you didn't because you were gone, it wouldn't have happened. You know, so it's it's yeah. amazing how everything has a ripple effect. It's almost like that book, The Butterfly Effect, um, by yes. Andrew, Andy Andrews. So amazing. Mm -hmm. So people, if you're watching, just know that your life has a purpose. Jesus put you here for a reason. Yes. Jesus even says, I have a plan and a purpose for your life to prosper. Yes. You and to bless you. So, I mean, uh -huh. Jessica's story is just so amazing. I'm going to let her continue. I just, I just love that part of her story, how so many people's lives would have been changed. Almost like the famous movie, It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. I love that movie. And it is so true. Mm -hmm. It really is. Um, I, and I, I love that God showed me that, that purpose and finding that purpose. Um, and I think that's the devil's attack on our and on our country and our world at this time, especially all the young um, teenagers or adolescents that feel like they have no purpose. And there is, there's such a purpose. And it really, it's so simple. It's just to love. It's just to love your God with your whole heart and soul and love thy neighbor. That's it. That's all. I mean, that's the biggest one. And that's really how I live my life. And it's so sad because when you do try to do good, when you do try to make life better for other people, a lot of people don't like it. Um, some people will attack you in that way. And you realize that that's not coming from of God. And when you try to do good or benefit other people's lives, that should be the main goal. Imagine the world, what it would be like if we every day had an intention to make it just slightly better for someone else. 
you know, if you made your life slightly better and it's a balance, it's a give and take, you know, I'm not perfect at all. God showed me that I am definitely not perfect. And there will be days that I, I fail my children or there'll be days I fail my husband or my friends, not intentionally, but we are all, we all do have a self-centeredness to us. Um, we're not completely selfless, but if we strive to be, if we strive to have a mind like Christ to where I just couldn't imagine when he started his ministry, what he went through every single day, how draining that would be every day to handle the sick person. And he, I, and when you read the Bible, you do see that he really, every single person was his priority. Um, I, I love the story of the man that had the legion of demons in him. Cause my takeaway from that is there was these men that were chained and just so afflicted. And when he delivered him after having that conversation, he puts him in the swan and they run off the cliff. All the disciples and the townspeople can only think about the, the swine jumping off the cliff. And all I can, and all I can focus on is what was Jesus doing? Jesus was holding that man, was reassuring him, was helping him through that. All that had left him, but he was there to have compassion and love for that man that who probably had not felt that in years. And that was the takeaway. That's what he was focused on, not everything else. And I think that's what's really hard about our lives now is if we would just focus on the people and not so much every the world as it is. So I want you to take us now to where you said Jesus showed you, he parted a veil and you saw mm -hmm. the earth spinning and you yes. saw the earth in sorrow. What do you think that sorrow was or would be? I believe it's the beginning of Matthew 24. I believe that we are coming closer in times, the prophecies that are being fulfilled. He'd show me that there would be great sorrow. And I felt the earth in sadness. I think that he was just preparing me for this time for for it to happen because you could feel I can feel an energy shift since 2019 I could feel an, a shift and I know that everyone's saying it's oh it's just post-COVID anxiety it's you know all these things but no I don't believe that's it I believe our spirits know things are coming our spirits know things are happening so I feel like it's our purpose to get ready for that or to I really, it was really put on my heart to share this testimony just so that people know that there is an afterlife. There is a place your spirit goes and you won't have an excuse um, when you die. You, your soul will go where it belongs with, with God or without God. And that's what I really hope that people understand that your life matters and that you will be going somewhere one day. Amen. And I just want everyone to go to heaven <laughs> makes fun of me because I'm too compassionate I want to save everyone so you mentioned though that you feel like Jesus showed you that to prepare you are you prepared and if so what have you done to prepare I feel like I'm still learning I feel like he's talking a lot more and I'm still learning how his voice is how he wants me to interact with him and um so I just kind of go day by day and I just keep my prayer life strong and I really try, I can tell the days that I don't keep Jesus on my mind. If I get my life is too busy and I get too worried about 
kids and I, I homeschool my children and keeping the house clean. And, you know, if I start getting too worried about the minuscule things of life, I notice that I don't hear him as well. So I really try to keep my mind on Jesus every day if I can. Um, that's the biggest thing that I try to do is that in my prayer life, which could always be more and more. But it's hard when you have babies. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It is very hard. So yes. you chose to go back. How did you mm-hmm. how did you choose and what happened when you chose to go back? Once they showed me the earth, I just knew I had to help. I knew that the purpose he had for me had to be done. I had to do my work and I had to come back and this time not be disappointed with what I'd done. Um, and as soon as I had that thought, you know, I didn't even say it out loud. I just had that thought. I'm like, oh, I need to do that. And there was such urgency in it. It was just kind of like, you know, like I have to hurry up and do this. I have to make this, this right. As soon as I thought it, this vortex opened up and it curved down from the sage to earth. And I felt myself get sucked into it. And I knew I was going straight. I was like torpedoing down towards earth. And as I was going down, I was about to hit the atmosphere. And right outside the atmosphere was this sea of dark, scary, red-eyed beings. Um, My guess is they're demons. I don't know. But that Holy Spirit that came to me right on my left yet again, he was right there on my left. And um, I, I felt... I felt myself scared, but he talked to me. He said, we don't even acknowledge them. And it was like, I was, it was from my face. Um, I was scared that they were trying to get me because they were trying to reach towards the vortex to come to get through to me. But as soon as he said that, I was just calm and I just changed my, my vision. And I went back to earth, focused it right onto earth. And, and I said, who are they? And he gave me that information. He told me who they are, who they was and why they were there. Who were um, they? Um, he, they wouldn't, I can't explain who they was. That that information was not given to me to keep when I returned. I just know that he told me. I remember him downloading that same information to me, but I was not able to retain it when I came back. It seemed like I, they were demons. Guess, yeah, because they yeah. said, we don't even acknowledge them. Who would, we who don't. would not acknowledge, right? <laughs> yeah. No. And that's what, that's what he just, he said, don't acknowledge it. And I've been attacked demonically periodically throughout my life. You know, at first I thought they were spirits, you know, I just thought they were just, we grew up on a haunted house or something, but I realized now my mom would always get so upset if anyone say it was a haunted house, it was just demons. Um, And I think they knew that there were, I think they can also sense a light in a Christian. I think they, they also can sense a light in your soul um, if you're a good or a bad soul. So if, if you are left alone and nothing ever bothers you, I, I feel like you're going down the wrong path. But when you try to lead your life towards Christ or when you try, that's when they, they bother you. And I think they do go after our children a lot. They really do. Oh, yeah. um, so I think... Once we got past that and the Holy Spirit, we just kind of went through the atmosphere and it's just, I could, it was like zooming in on a computer screen. As we zoomed in, I could feel my soul coming in through the roof of my parents' house into the bathroom. And my mom had me in the bathtub cleaning the mud off of me. 
And I, I, right before I went into my body, I was like, I'm too big. I'm not going to fit. Like there's this five-year-old body. There's no way all of my essence and everything is going to fit in there. And he said, oh yes, you will. You will. And it was like a pop and I was in, but I felt so small, like tight. It felt like I had like a, like saran wrap in me around me, you know, like I couldn't fit all the way in. And then I instantly, the, the love that I was feeling was gone and the unconditional compassion and love that I had was gone. And all the knowledge I just learned was gone. I was like, Oh, I, and the world just looks so gray compared to where I just came from. It just looks so dull in color. And I, and then I was like, great. And I just started crying at the thought of leaving that. Like I, all of that was gone from me. And I just remember my, my twin sister was right next to me and she was trying to take care of me and she was getting mud out of my hair and I'm just crying. I didn't feel any pain. I didn't feel anything other than that. I just missed where I was. I missed that feeling. Well, what was the emotion on your mother and your sister when you saw yourself about to get fit back into your body, so to speak? What was the emotion of your mom? Was she crying? And did she take you to the <laughs> hospital? What? No, she was just washing me. Um, she just took care of me as, as, as if any other thing happened. Um, she told me I, I had mud in my mouth. I had mud in my ears and it was in my eyes. And uh, she was washing me off. And I, I'm guessing to check for bruising. Um, but she didn't find one single bruise on me not a cut, nothing. Um, she said I was suction cupped into the mud and they've, that the hardest part was just to get me out of the mud because I was so suction cupped into it. Um, so, which is, I think is the grace of God that he did that. She did not take me to the hospital because, you know, back in the nineties, unless something's broke, you don't go. Um, and I was, I quit crying a little bit after that and she had me walk around and I was fine. I did not feel any pain. I really, I had no pain at all. I was just more upset that I had left where I was than anything. Wow. And how big was this horse that, cause you felt under the, the horse, right? So how, how much would you estimate this horse weight and you were under him not to have any broken bones or scratches? Yes, it was, um, I would say it would be 900 to a thousand pounds. It was a, just a regular standard pony, but it was a larger pony. Um, and I was five years old. So I was probably only three and a half feet at tall, um, 45, 50 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> so by the grace of God, I know that God had everything under control in that, in that scenario. Um, so when I got pulled out, I don't remember anything from the time that I about fell until the time I got to the bathtub. I could not tell you anything. And as far as I know, my mom um, and dad, they got the horse off of me and then picked me up. And my mom took me straight to the bathroom to clean me off, to check me out. And that's when I came to. I don't remember anything else after that. And what made you want to come out and share a testimony now? Because it's been years now. Why, yes. why is now the right time? I believe that God put it on my heart for a long time. I didn't know what my experience was, um, nor did I give it really much thought 
growing up most of my life. Once I had that experience, I had a couple other things happen to me as a child that was a little supernatural, but I didn't think anything of it. But then I, once you become a teenager and you get just so involved, you know, the, you're like homecoming's coming, you know, and you, I got to get my driver's license and, you know, life slowly took over as I got older and I didn't really think about those things and things would just happen. And then I realize now I look back and I look at all the trials and the things that you face, you know, you, you get so devastated when you don't get the job you really wanted, or you don't get the, you don't get into the college. You really uh, had your heart set on all those things are for a reason. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that God allows and doesn't allow for your own good that he wants you to go down a certain path. And now that I'm older and now I realize that is God talking, I don't try to force those things. If things don't happen naturally, then they are not meant to be, but he will allow you to make choices. He did show me that, that I had plenty of choices that I can, you still have free will you have the choice to choose and it's kind of like a hierarchy. You can choose like 10 being the most godly of choices or one being the worst. But sometimes a lot of times we get a five or seven or a two, you know, you don't know until you've actually already experienced it, what you've actually chose. So I think that's a lot of what he does for us at free will. And I've learned that God will guide our lives. He is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path if we allow it. But he will never force himself into your life until you open your heart and really beg. I I would beg him. And I think that's since I begged him to really show me my purpose and, to, and I really do want to help the world in this time as much as I, I can because it is it is very sad right now. It's a, I mean, and it's going to get worse. And are we prepared for that? Are you, are you prepared to, to make sure that Jesus is still your number one? You know, I mean, similar to how the Holocaust and everything happened. Are you going to be that, that family that hides the Jews in your basement? Or are you going to turn them in to get a free meal? You know, that's where that's, I feel like it's going to start heading is we're going to, you're going to have to come up with those decisions. Inflation is a real thing right now. People are slowly going out. So if you have extra food, give someone some food, you know, invite someone to Thanksgiving that may not have anyone to go to. You don't know what God has in store for you until you allow that to happen. Well said. Uh, Before we end, I want to ask you, did you tell your parents about your heaven encounter? I have not told my dad. Um, I, but I did tell my mom, she now, does not believe after? <laughs> Um, I just told my mom a couple of years ago, actually, just two years ago. What was her reaction? Oh, wait. And so she, are you going to tell your dad? <laughs> oh no, I'm not telling my dad. <laughs> I don't know if my dad believes in that stuff. Um, so I just don't force it. You know, yeah, if yeah, yeah. he asks, I will tell him, but, okay. um, but my mom, she said, she goes but you were fine (laughs) and I was like yeah but this happened and uh she she said she goes yeah but you were fine (laughs) so (laughs) I think it's just I think it would be hard I mean imagine if one of your children were like hey guess what happened to me when I was five you were there I didn't tell you my whole life and (laughs) I probably died (laughs) I probably died 
didn't know I did. I just thought I got stuck in the mud because that's what you told me. <laughs> so, um, but it wasn't until I really recollect God really, I can't remember a lot of my ch- childhood as you grow older, you kind of forget things. Um, but this is one thing I've always kept in my mind and it's one of my earliest memories and it has not gone away and I will never forget it. And each time I think about it, it's like he shows me a little bit more at a time of what I'm allowed to remember and recollect. So I think that's the amazing thing about God is everything's in his timing. Everything is happening for a reason. And I didn't need this experience 10 years ago. Um, and I was really nervous coming out and telling my testimony now, cause there's still a lot of people that will tell you, no, you didn't have that experience or no, that's not true. Or, you know, that was the devil or anything like that. Um, I know what was real and I know what my, my spirit is real. And I, I do pray for discernment and truth and he put it on my heart to be on your show. So, um, I, I'm glad that he's allowed me to get my testimony out so that other people know that Jesus is real and he's, he's coming back. <laughs> so yes, he is. Ready. Glory to God. And for your father, he just might see this interview also. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Also, um, could you pray for those who are watching who really have no insight of who they are? in Christ. And for those people who feel like they have no purpose here and they're wondering why am I even here? No one really cares for me. No one would remember me if I'm gone. Um, I I feel like I'm useless. Could you just pray for those people? Because I know there's a, I know for a fact, there's a lot of people who feel that way right now. Just want to know their purpose in their life to fulfill the plan that God has for them. Yes, absolutely. Lord Jesus, we come to you and ask that you be with us through this prayer, that you be with whoever soul is hearing on these airways or on any channel that they hears this. Lord, I know that you know the hearts of all, but Lord, I ask that you give them truth and discernment. Lord, I ask that you guide their lives. Lord, let them have purpose in their life, that you make it clear to them what you want them to do. Lord, Put people that love them in their life or put people in their life that will help them grow and strengthen you. Lord, I ask that you open their hearts and help them really know you and get to know you. Because once that love comes from you, I know that they will feel that void that is inside their hearts will be open, will be completely filled by you. And from that, it's just I know that the cup will runneth over and be with those people. Lord, I ask that you touch each and every one of the hearts that really feel the struggle of not knowing who they are or what they're, what they are meant to do. And that you guide them through this life, that you show them how you are leading their life to help better that this world for that we are living in and that you will be here soon and that you can embrace all of your children that that they will be one of the sheep that knows your voice lord i thank you in all things in jesus name i pray amen amen jessica hall thank you so much if anyone wants to contact you what's the best way they can do that um i have an email it is his holy homestead at gmail.com and you can email me there Great. And I'll have the information in the description below. And again, you can find that right next to the title and you'll see words that says more dot, dot, dot 
hit that and you'll have our information. Jessica, again, thanks so much for being here. Hey, thanks, Jennifer. I really appreciate it.